Having agency is defined as the capacity of individuals to act independently and to make their own free choices. Tune in to get an inside look at the inspiring uphill climb of businesswomen from around the world. I'm your host, Cheryl Gillihan, and this is Woman-Owned Agency. Jen, it's so great to have you with me today. I'm going to let you introduce yourself and Pixel Parlor, um, but I just want to share that, you know, we have actually collaborated on some projects together and it has been so much fun. And so I'm so delighted to just talk to you, learn a little bit more about the origin story of your company and some of the unique things about being um, partners with your partner in business and in life. (laughs) Because um, I am also in that situation. And so I think we're going to have a fun conversation today. If you would, just tell us a little bit more about Pixel Parlor. Yeah. So I'm Jen Ritchie Nicholas. I am the CEO and partner of Pixel Parlor. We are a certified B Corp and certified woman owned business. Um, we have been around since 2012. So we'll be 10 years in March. And uh, it started as my husband and I, 10 years ago, um, working out of our apartment at the time. We left our jobs in New York City um, and, you know, wanted a better life for ourselves with more free time and more time to spend with each other and more space, of course. We moved to Philly to find all those things. And we did. We, and we accidentally started a design studio in the process. Accidentally. I love how you say that. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of us stumble into business ownership. It wasn't like this, this set plan that you've been planning since you were like in high school. This is what I'm going to do. This is my path. Um, so how did you accidentally stumble into this? <laughs> so accidentally, but also like, I kind of had like, when I was 11, I was like, I think I want to like be a designer. So I did have it in the back of my head and I was like, and I want to kind of be the boss. Um, So I kind of had it in the back of my head, but, you know, it seems so, I I grew up in a blue collar family. It seems so impractical to think that one, you know, somebody from a blue collar family can move to New York, become designer, work on all these cool projects and then somehow land and make your own, have your own studio, right? So it seems so implausible, but, um, you know, we moved to Philly and we had, all this experience in New York behind us and made really, really great friends. And when we moved here, at, we, we left New York, we traveled around, did all the, got all our sillies out um, because we didn't have kids, right? So we ran around Europe and did all the things. And then we moved here and I had a job at a, at a, at a really well-known landscape architecture studio working in-house. And my husband was interviewing with Urban Outfitters to take a high-level position there. But we quickly found out that they, it didn't feel right. Like something was not quite right. And, you know, my husband ended up going through that process and taking on a few freelance gigs and the freelance gigs turned into more and more work to the point where I could actually quit my job. So, you know, it was really interesting to, you know, be working somewhere and say, you know what, I don't think this is working for me. And my husband and I are just going to like, jump off the ledge and start our own thing. And we did, and we didn't expect it to last much time at all. We were just like, well, we'll just do this for a while. Maybe I'll go back to grad school and like do all this stuff. And, but it ended up sticking. And now there are 12 of us and we seem like we're in a growth, we're like in a growth stage right now. And we don't seem like we have any end in sight. So it just 
fell in our laps. And almost 10 years later, congratulations <laughs> on all that success. That's a huge milestone and, you know, more than 10 employees. Um, so it's really grown and thrived. And I'm so happy that we found each other because we oh have God. collaborated on projects and it's been wonderful. It's just been really great to find a kindred spirit and someone mm -hmm. that cares about the same things that we do. Twinsies. I love where we have, we have, we have such like, we have kindred spirit businesses and we're kindred spirit people. And I think that's really, it's really satisfying to know that there are businesses out there that want to put their best foot forward and work with people who do the same and really care. And really like, that's really it is like to work with, to, I work with clients that care and I care and I want to work with collaborative partners who care because there's so much out there that just seems so disposable and counterproductive that like, I just want to feel like I'm attached to something that has a greater mission, a greater cause and a greater purpose. Like all that stuff just gives me a reason to get up every day. Um, and it gives me a reason to be really freaking excited about stuff. I mean, design is not <clears throat> for the faint of heart. If you want an easy peasy job, I don't recommend going into design. It's the grind sometimes. It's very challenging work. But like when you find the right combination of people and collaborators and clients, you get to do beautiful things and work with wonderful people. And I feel pretty directly connected to global impact, you know, working with some of the clients we have, they legitimately have global impact. And there's some great satisfaction, especially when you, right now, when I think a lot of us feel like the world is spiraling out of control. At least I know that I'm connected to folks who are trying to do better in a bigger, bigger network it probably resonates with you. Like being a small business owner is kind of isolating, right? Like you're not just like going to the office and punching the, you know, the proverbial time card and going home. Like this is like, sometimes it's 24 seven. Sometimes, you know, you're getting like weird text messages at, on Saturday morning at 5 a.m. about like the server has gone down or whatever kind of thing you haven't thought of yet that, that sort of comes and magically appears in your life. It's a heavy lift, but um, when you do it with people you, you enjoy and respect and it just makes it, it makes it easier for me to wake up in the morning and for me to raise my kids and know that I'm doing my best to make sure my kids have as much as a good life as they possibly can. I would completely agree with that. What you said about respect and just having that purpose-driven alignment with your partners, with your clients, with your collaborators, I think it's so important. I mean, I think there are times when, especially as a business owner, we're just like, why am I doing this? <laughs> why don't I just go get a job? Yes. Um, and it's, it's challenging and it's hard. And then yet I have to remember, I am really stressed and frustrated right now. And I've got this mile long checklist in my head mm -hmm. and I need to find a way to manage that because the things that we're working on are that important, yep. you know, and the reason that a client is stressed out and maybe stressing me out is because what they're working on is really important and mm -hmm. they've got a community that's counting on them. And mm -hmm. I think that element of it is kind of my daily reminder of like, we're doing big things. And it's the reason I stayed in this. Like there was a point before I was CEO, before I was owner of the company around 2015, I said, I don't know if I, if I need to be in tech, like, I don't know if this is the space that yeah. really makes a difference in the world. Like, I feel like we're just pushing pixels and writing code and it doesn't, 
matter. Like it feels so disconnected from the impact. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I should just, just join Greenpeace. <laughs> like, yeah. There's this part of me that wanted something more tangible and mm-hmm. to feel the emotion every day. Right. And tech feels so cold. Mm-hmm. And there was actually some negative things happening in technology at the time, particularly with social media and the mm-hmm. impact of the influence that it has on people and the behaviors that it has. And there were all these kind of negative things happening um, surrounded around tech. But at the same time, a report came um, from the World Economic Forum and I was reading Mm -hmm. the report because we were facilitating one of their sessions. And it said like the number of people that actually have access now because of the number of devices that have been distributed around the world. And I thought Coslabs is doing so much good with the tech Mm -hmm. that we're creating. And we need more companies like this. Like we can't do all of the work, but we need more companies that are willing to do this kind of specific work. And I don't need to step out of this. It was the, it was the turning point for me Mm -hmm. of like, if I step out of this, other leaders might step out of this too. And we need the leaders that are actually using tech for good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like, it's been really interesting because we don't necessarily only work with not-for-profits and and B Corps. We work with clients of all variety. And I actually like had similarly had an existential crisis. I was like, uh, cause, um, a friend, my husband's friend from, from college works as a marketing director for a steel distributor. <clears throat> and I was like, I am not really sure if working with a steel distributor really fits within our, our vision, within our criteria and within who, our, our mission. And I like, I called SBN, one of the folks that I know at, I'm sorry, not at, um, at B Labs. And I was like, help me, walk me through this. Like, I need to wrap my head around how, me working with somebody who doesn't necessarily have um, a social responsibility, a corporate social responsibility policy, who really isn't like on the surface trying, although I do know this person and I know they have good intentions and I know like, you know, they, they, they have intentions to move in that direction to some degree. Like, how do I come to terms with that? And their advice was, that's exactly the kind of person you need to be working with to be able to bring that message and the learnings and the, the knowledge to them so that they can do better and understand and not just greenwash, but like legitimately do better. Um, and, and, you know, we have a direct connection to the CEO and, you know, and we, we, we do our best to integrate thoughtfulness into every, like every printed piece we make, every, um, every you know display materials that we make we're making sure that we're we're fabricating everything ethically that we're saying that we're fabricating ethically um that we're and we're we're, we're just trying to bring a higher quality of deliverable to them and and, and, and it seeps in in little ways so it was it's hard sometimes there are there, there are there are definitely i will i there are industries i will not touch with a 10-foot pole like pharmaceuticals i'm sorry it's never happening. Um, it's, I will work with healthcare, but pharmaceuticals is not, it's just never, it's not happening. Um, 
but we work with farm, farm, we work with like medical innovation. We work with, you know, Pennsylvania University on their medical innovation and in, in marketing their materials. But there are certain things that we just can't, we won't touch. Um, but, you know, on occasion, you know, with a little soul searching and just like going back to my, my advisors and saying, Hey, this is what I'm given. What, how should we go? Like they keep pushing us and like, just keep, don't, don't compromise who you are. Don't compromise the work that you're doing. Um, and just help, help, help them do better. So yeah, it's, it's sometimes is a little bit of a, a mental hurdle. Yeah. And interestingly, we don't work with just nonprofits. It just mm-hmm. happens that that's who yeah. happens to come to us. And I think it's our brand yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that. <laughs> but um, I do think that we are advocates for these things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. because of the way that we've shaped our business holistically around mm-hmm. this model yeah. um, and the way that we're, we're making changes and gaining awareness in all of the different sectors and all of the different criteria. Like I find myself talking about all kinds of different subjects with people, yeah. whether it's environmental sustainability or social sustainability, yeah. inclusion, diversity. Like I, there's so many topics mm-hmm. that I talk about with people and even like investing and revenue and banking and saving, like there's just every topic, it seems like I can turn back around to what's the social purpose of that. How can exactly. we do that better? Yep. And I, I find myself more as an advocate for those things, even when it's not related in any means to like mm-hmm. our actual business services. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and once people have awareness of that, you know, our clients, our community, anybody that follows us, you know, once you have awareness, you can't unknow those things, right. you know, yeah. you, you suddenly, your eyes are suddenly open. to so like, I never thought of that. Maybe I need to do a little bit more research. And that's yeah. how I got into it. You know, it was like one thing and then another thing and then another yeah. thing and then 17 SDGs later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, no, I like I started being interested in environmentalism and sustainability in fourth grade when I my I did a science project on composting. Um, and it just stuck with me. It really stuck with me all through elementary school, high school, college, and and I went to school for environmental science for a very brief period before I dropped out and went to design school how dare me um but it really like it has really permeated everything I've done forever and it will forever it's it's everything it's 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 sprinkled into everything we do um and it has been my entire career for whatever reason I I just exude sustainability um and environmental responsibility because when I worked at all the the firms that I worked at previous to, to starting my own studio I was always the person that was tapped to write the corporate social responsibility policy or like, how do we, how do we, you know, how do we as a giant firm, how do we do better? And I was always like tapped for that to either lead or consult on. So there is just something about me and, and it just, I don't know. I just, I guess it oozes out of my pores. Sustainability oozes out of my pores. It's not intentional. It's not like I'm, I'm, I mean, it is like, it is part of who I am, but I think other people see it, uh, somehow just see it in me and it just keeps pulling me in that direction. 
Um, it's really fascinating. I do like also the interesting thing about being a certified B Corp, it is a wonderful filter. It, it prevents certain people, like certain people see B Corp and they're like, no, thank you. But that's actually a positive thing because it really, it prevents a major conflict of interest. I think a lot of times, like it prevents, um, it prevents us from getting, having to deal with situations we don't want to have to deal with, sticky situations we don't want to have to deal with. Um, and it's really interesting. Like, um, I think it brings in a really wonderful uh, personality type, a client, a, a client, a client personality type that um, I find really engaging and fun and um, compelling. And it's just really fascinating who, who like, I've had literally had clients that were definitely a bad match, but they're like, oh, you're a B Corp. Mm, this is not going to work out. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> bullet dodged. Um, but like, it really um, shows people's like true colors. Like sometimes like it, it, it attracts, it attracts the kind of things that you want and repels the things that you're not, that I'm not welcoming into my life. Yeah. And I'm maybe again, because of our brand, it's already, they're not coming to yeah. us. In that yeah, way. that's true. It's in the name. It's literally in the name. It's in the name cause labs. Yeah. Um, so, because we don't, we haven't encountered those situations nearly as much as y'all mm -hmm. have, but yeah, certainly we, we are attracting the right kind of clientele, which is wonderful. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. You said this is seeping out of your pores. I guess um, so. Yes. That it's always been a part of you, you know, as you were talking about school, I thought like, did I know that I was going to go into this? Actually? No, I had no idea. I did actually first go to my first uh, major that I selected was graphic design. And I thought I want to be in marketing. I want to be in graphic design. I want to be an illustrator. I want to be, mm -hmm. I thought that was the world. And this was really in the early days of like digital design, oh, yeah. you know, like AutoCAD was like the thing. I mean, it still is, yeah. but I like yeah the early days of that, yeah. you know, and I thought maybe I'll go into architecture, but I think that I'm really just going to be a, a designer um, of like product design and marketing and taking that digital. Yeah. First semester, I was like, nope, this is not for me. This is not going to work out. Not because I didn't like design and not because I wasn't any good at it, but I am not a competitor. It was like, I'm never going to make money in this field because I will look at the person next to me and be like, oh my gosh, that is so good. Like, they should hire you. <laughs> I'm so influenced by design and marketing mm -hmm. that I like recognize it when I see it. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Like, mm -hmm. yes, don't, don't choose mine. No, like, please, <laughs> please choose this. <laughs> so I think now that it, as you say that, and you're like, it's always been a part of me. I think the, the thing that's always been a part of me is I'm so happy to like collaborate and yes. let the best solution yes. win. Yeah. Well, and that's really like, I want everybody to like bring their best foot forward. Right. And, and I'm a, I'm a good designer, but like the team that I have, they're amazing. They're amazing illustrators. They're just, they're so good. And it's just an extension of what my vision is. It's just an extension. Like I couldn't, I, I mean, I would love to be able to do all that stuff, but can I hire you to, to do this amazing thing that I'm not really as good at? 
One thing that I learned from this wonderful human being I used to work with, Walter Hunt in New York City, um, who has recently passed, he was like, you have to hire folks who are better than you. Because if you don't hire folks that are better than you and, and more talented than you, you're limiting what you can achieve. And I definitely, I definitely strive to do that. That and I have a very strict no asshole rule. So the no asshole rule, like, really has made um, our team really kind of magical because not only do I have these really talented people, but I, I also don't let that I fall in love with people's work and portfolios. And I can just be so wooed by how talented they are. But like when it comes down to it, if they're, if I get like a twinge of like assholeism, I was like, you know what? No, that's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. Because it'll offset the balance. From my experience, assholeism is contagious, very contagious. You get one asshole and then suddenly everybody's an asshole, including yourself, because you're trying to manage the assholes, which makes you act like an asshole. It's just not the easiest thing. And sorry, I hope you don't mind me saying inappropriate language, spewing it all over. But um, put explicit on this recording. Yes, explicit. <laughs> But it's the best word to explain like that personality type. We all know what it is. Design is notoriously exploitative, notorious. Generationally has been exploitive of workers' rights, like totally exploitative of like, you know, free, free internships, um, not, not well, narcissism for sure, but also nepotism. Like it's just like handed down in family to family and it's just notoriously toxic. And I, I never just don't want to do that. I'm not interested in doing that. I've experienced that. And I just don't want to, I'm doing everything in my power to avoid doing that. I think you and I are probably about the same age. Um, and at this point in my life, I don't have time. I've, I've, I've eliminated all of the jerks from my life. And I want to do that at work too. Um, it just makes for, I think, better quality work and happier days and overall, greater life satisfaction if I'm so bold to say um it's, it's just too hard like life is too hard right now like yeah. we should do whatever we can to like remove the toxicity as best as possible yeah, we like to say we can be proud of our work and still have humility oh yeah absolutely and put the egos aside exactly yeah, yeah. there's a, a difference between um being proud and just an arrogant Mm -hmm. Um, and like, you have to have enough, enough self-confidence and pride to get out of bed in the morning and stand up for yourself and, and communicate like clearly, um, and to, to, to move forward productive ideas, but you can't let your ego get in the middle in, in front of progress. Like to, it's destructive, like I, it's destructive and it's, it's unfortunate. And it's just, think of all, think of all the man, the, the people power, the people power and the hours that are wasted by folks being competitive and in backstabbing and um, just general jerks, like we could be moving forward, but yet like people are too busy cutting each other down. It's just not productive. And it's not easy to, to make a dollar in design. It's not like, we're not flush with cash. This is not like, we're not minting money. We would have gone into finance if that was what our goal was. You have to make the best out of your, your day and work with like really great people. And if, as soon as that toxicity comes into play, you can see perform you can see performance tanking and, and, and um, results tanking. So it's really, 
I mean, it's in everybody's best interest to, to just be a decent human being and get your ego out of the way because it's not, it's not helpful. Open ears and open heart and open, open mind. Yeah. And I think that goes beyond our teams. You know, I mean, it's, it goes into everything like our clients. When we talk about our core values, the core values aren't actually just for us. I mean, it's on the wall in our office because it's not just an internal thing. It's not something that we say internally, it's external as well. Like we choose clients who align with our core values. We choose partners and collaborators who align with our core values. That's why you and I are partners and collaborators. Um, And so I think that, you know, we're, we're removing that toxicity, not just from our own teams, but just from the industry in general and who Mm -hmm. we work with. Oh yeah. Yeah. And let me, I'll let you in on a secret. I love firing a toxic client. It's my favorite thing. I know it's like a weird thing to say, but it's just really miserable, like to constantly be fighting and like headbutting heads with clients. So I just, I feel like it's such a great relief to, to walk away from that stuff. And it's hard to identify. Sometimes it's, you're pretty far in before you can realize that this is just not working. It's really gratifying to know that empower, emp- and empowering to know that that's a, something you can do. It's something you can do. And it's something you probably should do if we're ever going to have like systematic change to like fight against, you know, work for, for fighting war for workers, right. Or rights or, or equality or equity, like, um, uh, equitable workforce. We have to start saying no, we have to start saying no to that bad behavior and those abusive tactics because it's never going to get better for anyone. It's never going to get better until we can say no, um, and feel confident saying no and knowing and knowing that if you do say no, it's just going to bloom. Like having the confidence to know that when you say, I'm not okay with this, I have, I have plenty of competitors. I would love to send you to, you can torture them instead. Uh, And it just gives that space for something to really, truly blossom and grow. And I'm, it's not a perfect science. I can't say that I'm, I I absolutely hundred percent ideal at it, but it is really something I'm striving for. And I hope to achieve 100% no mean clients. I think you're right. It takes time to recognize that sometimes. Sometimes it's a, you know, a shift in the team um, that, you you know, the person that you started with is not the same group of people that are on the team now because, you know, we have transitioned, they have transitioned. Um, And so sometimes, yeah, that does, that does happen over time. But I think on the flip side of that, clients should be okay firing Yes. If it's yes. toxic, you know, Absolutely. I mean, they should be recognizing that also. Yeah. Um, and, and we should be able to transparently have that conversation. Definitely. And sometimes we just legitimately outgrow one another. Like, you know, who, who, I mean, okay, well, let's talk about husbands and wives and who, you know, we were when my husband and I started the business who versus who we are now, like, if, if husbands and wives, people who do enter into like a life agreement and, you know, when, when we're us, like a business agreement too, mm-hmm. who you are when you start out versus 10 years later is they're not, you're not the same people. So how can you expect like employees to be the same people, clients to be the same, to be the same. People, organizations to be, it's just not, there's just too much change. And like, we should be open to that sort of transience instead of trying to hold on with like, 
bloody, like clenched fists, like be open to that transition and um, willing to see what comes, like what, what fruits come after, you know, you uh, are allow that to mo- movement to happen might be really healthy. Mm-hmm. So I know you and I might've talked about this, but I haven't always been the CEO. Andrew was the CEO up until, cause it, he kind of founded the studio in 2004 as like a freelance thing that he was like doing a, you know, freelance business as Pixel Parlor. Um, so he assumed the role of um, CEO from the get-go. Like similar to you, I like to do the new business. I like to like do all this external stuff and Andrew would rather die. That's just not what he wants to do. He wants to talk on the, the clients on the phone but he doesn't want to like put himself out there. Um, and we just got to the point, I was like, look, I think I'm doing all this external facing stuff. Like, I think this is my time. And we were amazingly, which is not as, as you can imagine, there were some mental gymnastics that had to happen to be able to make that transition from me being the creative director to the CTO. And then Andrew taking the role as, as, as I'm sorry, CFO, and then Andrew taking the role as CTO. Um, but we did it. Um, and it feels right and it feels good. And he has for, thoroughly embraced it. I mean, there are some bumps. There's always going to be some bumps here and there of like, who's on first? What are you doing? What's your role? Um, but I mean, that's just normal anywhere. Um, but it, it, it's 10 years later, you're not the same people you were when you started this thing. And, and that's that, that, that fluidity and that like ability to move that you have to be open to or you'll be very frustrated. Yeah. So Mark Van Ness told me this, uh, this acronym that I have adopted. He calls it PIBBLES, Partners in Business and in Life. And I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's what we are. Because <laughs> he was talking about um, himself and Julie at Real Leaders. He's like, yeah, we're PIBBLES. I was like, what's a PIBBLE? <laughs> he said partners in business and in life. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what Michael and I are. Perfect. Um, but like you said, you know, we, he, I think is like a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Michael definitely is. And I never considered myself an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought like, just tell me what to do and I will get it done. But at the same time, the more that when, once I got into the business and once mm-hmm. I, once we made the decision to purchase the business, And I started getting more behind the scenes. First, I was like, oh my gosh, what I get myself into? Like, Mm -hmm. this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to deal with the IRS and I don't want to deal with legal stuff. (laughs) And what the heck is this? (laughs) And then hiring in multiple states. Oh, that's been a thing. That's so hard. Yes, so Um, hard. But all and all the the systems, it was like, oh, it's so hard to be a small business owner. And why do I have to deal with all this? I only have this many employees. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's this, this thing that I've recognized just getting into it where I'm like, I have all these ideas and I have all these thoughts and I have all these, like, we could do it better this way. We could do it better that. And I'm starting to realize like, maybe I was an entrepreneur all along and I just never knew it (laughs) or I never saw the opportunity for me to step into that space. And I wasn't given any models for that. Yeah. in my life, you know? Um, but now that I'm in the space and now that I have, you know, other, a mastermind and a forum and advisors, I'm like, yeah, that's totally me. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all the things that I think about. Yeah. It opens up the floodgates. It opens up the floodgates of possibility. Like, um, 
you know, we have a, a studio mate and he's, he's a subletter and a good friend of ours. Um, and we, you know, like spun off a couple of side businesses with him because we're like, oh, well, you know, he's an IP lawyer. So he has like all these interesting things going on and, and, and ha is, has all these connections. And we're like, and we're just sitting around like having like dinner cocktails or something. And we're like, hmm, there are some interesting things going on here. And it's spun itself off into other, other cool endeavors. So it is really interesting. Like I have become a serial entrepreneur since this, like I never, my family, my father is like, he was a, an, an electrical engineer for the utility company for his entire career for like 35 years, his first job and the job he retired from. Um, and, you know, my grandfather was in the Navy and he was an electrical engineer. And, and it's just, they, they had like this very like, you know, work man's like mentality. Like you just get the job. You don't, do, you don't do your passion is for your hobbies. They were all like all mm -hmm. my, my grandfather and my father had all these amazing hobbies and the women in my life were mostly homemakers. Um, but like, first off for me to like go to college and then, you know, work in these high end studios and then be able to start a studio on my own was just like, completely out of my family's vernacular. Like, you know, I think there were like, you know, in the retirement, I think like my grandfather was a little bit more entrepreneurial, but like, um, this was not the norm. This was not the norm. The expectation was you like, you get a, you get a college degree, get a safe, secure job that you're going to have for the rest of your life. I was not encouraged to go to design school. I was actually told not to go to design school. I could go to school for anything except for a design or fine arts. Well, that didn't work out very well. <laughs> yeah. The first uh, few years that I worked from home, because Cause Labs has always been a remote company. I don't think, I think my mother thought I was unemployed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she didn't understand like the virtual digital world. And when I owned the company, when she was proud of me for owning a company, but then she just has no concept for what it yeah. is. My grandmother 70s and it's like she just comes over in the middle of the day and she's like what are you doing and I'm like I'm I'm working it's mm -hmm. like but you're just on the computer talking to people <laughs> that's really what everybody does these days mom no um it's really fascinating and very like until the day my grandmother died I think she thought that my I was my husband's personal assistant <laughs> No, 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 grandma. I, I like, I, I went to college. I have like a real job. She's like, why are you guys working so hard? Jennifer, why don't you, why are you working? Why are you sending the kids to daycare? And I was like, cause I have a, a, a job. She it just was hard. Generation, generationally, it was not easy for people. It's not easy to see like how we have, especially women, right? Have women have evolved in the work industry over the last several generations. Like we went from being somebody's secretary to being the boss of everybody and sometimes including our husbands so it's really um it's hard for it's hard I think for generations to really wrap their heads around um but damn am I proud of myself <laughs> I mean I did it everybody was like you can't you you, you can't how, what how are you gonna do that you, that, you whatever why don't you just get an easy job for whatever reason I was just you know headstrong and stubborn enough and I just stuck with it I mean, um, it takes headstrong women to yeah. lead. <laughs> you just gotta, I just, you know, I'm not one to 
take failure lightly. I have, I've failed plenty of times. I've failed plenty of times, but every time I've been lucky enough to be able to like get over it, brush myself off and just like learn, learn as much as I can from it. And then just keep growing and, you know, pivoting as needed to like, and not doing that dumb thing that, you know, I did before again, like, and I just kept pulling myself up over it and like going to the next thing and then pulling my head up over that. And then it just never, it hasn't stopped. Like I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly doing, I'm constantly collaborating. And, you know, I have been knocked to the ground and had the wind kicked out of me so many times, but it never stopped me. The things that people have said to me, I won't repeat here, but it's just like, I wasn't accepting that for myself and not for my family. And, um, for the vision I had for myself. Like, I just, I don't know if you have this, but I just have that little voice inside of inside of me. Like this little like thing that's sort of, I have, it's very strong in me, but it's like, it's my gut response and my gut and my intuition just really takes me where I needed to go. And I do my best. So listen really hard to it. And like, if something feels right or hurts or stings, I gotta, I dig into why I have that in, internal, like physical response and like dissect that and help, helps me make decisions. Like I just listen to what's inside of me. I don't know what it is. And I don't know if everybody has it, but I listen and it seems to take me where I want to go. Yeah. I usually have to sleep on big decisions. I'm a very like a gut feeler and a gut thinker. And I'm like, okay, I think I know what I want to do, but then I'm like, but I need to sleep on that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, So that I can listen and pay attention Mm -hmm. and just really think through all of the scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say my little voice is, is sometimes very mean to myself. It took me a long time oh, to yeah. feel like I was enough. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't think I really said those words until I was at like a opportunity collaboration retreat when I was yeah. in my thirties and saying them out loud was like transformative for me mm-hmm. because I was just like, I cried. Cause it was like, I don't think I've yeah. ever said those words. Right. No, um, no. And so, yeah, I, I don't know that it's necessarily like a woman specific thing, but they do say that like, it, it's yeah. harder for women. And, and I don't know if that's because of like generationally, what was expected of me or where I came from or what I was raised and what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. But I do think that, you know, I, I have struggled with that. And then I went to a session. It was just last year, actually, it was a virtual session that I went to. And, um, it was a a spoken word artist and her name was Janahi and I loved her session so much. One of the things that she said was, um, we meditated, we closed our eyes Mm -hmm. and she walked us through this experience. And she said, all those negative words that you say to yourself, all those things that bring you down when you're having a hard day, when you're stressed out, um, imagine saying that to the baby in you, like look at a baby picture of yourself and say that to the baby. And I was like bawling. I was like, how mean, (laughs) never say those things to a baby. (laughs) Um, and she was like, that's what you're doing to yourself. So Mm -hmm. say it to your inner child. And if you can't say it to your inner child, don't say it to yourself. Yeah. That's huge. And I have to think about that a lot, you know, because especially as a business owner um, and especially in the work that we do in the sector, I mean, 
yes, you said, you know, not all of your clients are nonprofits. And sometimes you have those like, hmm, is this a conflict of interest? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and sometimes we beat ourselves up trying to figure yeah. that out. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I do. Um, yeah. And so in those instances, it's like, you know, I have to really think about like, what am I willing to say to myself? And sometimes I'm not very nice. So, yeah, I've definitely, I mean, it's really hard, right? If you read anything about being a woman, you're, you're told, you're told to be this impossible being. And then you're told that if you aren't be able to fit this mold, that you're wrong, but you're supposed to be bold and strong. But when you are bold and strong, you're wrong. It's just really screwed up. Like we don't have any clear, as women, and I, 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 we have no clear path forward, right? <clears throat> we can only just do what feels right for us and sort of shake off all this stuff that holds us back. Um, I do have to say, I am a huge fan of meditation and self-care and Pilates, working out and like finding a great place to like just sweat it out and get all that nasty, toxic stuff out of your system. Um, I have a really incredible, I have an incredible family with very sweet kids and a lovely husband and my friends. I have this, I have a posse of friends like in my neighborhood. I like, I, I rely on them and um, they provide me the support. And I have like, I have an amazing therapist and amazing parents. Like I have all the things I need. And then, you know, and then when I can't figure any of that stuff out, I have business coaches and, and people who like can help me untangle the mess. And if I'm ever feeling like I'm not enough or, or I don't have the answer, I reach out to people who do, who can help me build my confidence and just sort of get out of that like cyclical thinking of like self-doubt and frustration and, you know, the, the, it's just, it can be, what is it? What's the word? Not the, the, it's the patriarchy, right? The patriarchy. <laughs> I've, I'm pretty, I'm pretty feminist. Uh, I'm not as feminist as some people can be, but, um, but I do feel like, like there's a, the patriarchal society doesn't necessarily allow us to easily be who we are. We have to really fight to fill our own space and to not be, challenged or called out for holding our own space like that's just nobody calls a guy out for holding their own space like that's encouraged but women who hold their own space they get challenged um and by even by people that they love and respect and care for so like finding that inner security and inner confidence and then relying when you are shaken relying on people who can like give you the scaffolding to like set you straight and lift you up um, is incredibly powerful. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of filtering through things that don't work to find like your, your handful of people who are going to be there to support you and help you grow and help, help the business grow and um, just continue on. Cause it can be, it can be overwhelming. It can be really overwhelming. Scaffolding is a good word for it because it's not just one person. It's not just one beam. It's not just one bar. Um, and how amazing is it that we have partners that support us in what we do and allowing yeah. us to have that space? 
So, well, speaking about being feminists, um, this is all about women-owned agencies, and I would love <laughs> to know if you have any shout-outs or anybody that maybe you've been dying to collaborate with and haven't yet, or someone maybe that you think I should interview um, on this. Yeah, so I think you should interview Kimberly McBron. She is here in Philly. She has a really cool sustainable fashion design company called called uh, Grant Boulevard. She and I met through SBN and she is just taking off like wildfire. Um, she's fascinating. I think, let's see, who else would be another amazing person? I have lots of other folks that are like female business owners that are in other industries like Birch Tree Catering and and like uh, lots of folks in the food industry. But um, as far as design is concerned, um, I think Kimberly McGlann will knock your socks off. Sounds great. Well, I will get the information from you and we'll put yes. her information in the show notes when we post awesome. this. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jen. Oh my gosh, is that that?